Good morning. All right, dreaded cotton mouth water check. Okay, a little nervous, please forgive. This is definitely stretching me. Um, well, as Don said, I'm a mother of four, ages 25 to 12, and blessed with an adorable 19-month-old granddaughter, Emmy, and a little grandson due in December, Christmas baby, who currently remains nameless. My son keeps saying it's probably gonna be a game day decision. <laughs> Becoming a grandparent has been a blast. Um, I enjoy every minute of it, but it also comes with the realization that I'm getting older, and I'm not really sure how that happened. Like, I am young in my head, but then my body wakes me up frequently to that illusion. Um, not to mention the AARP membership that keeps coming in the mail. Darn postman. With age comes many changes. Some good, some not. One of those changes is balance. It is actually easier to lose your balance with age. Getting up too fast spinning around, like it messes with your equilibrium and you're thrown off balance. I'm so bummed, I can't ride roller coasters anymore. Yeah, I, I hear you. <laughs> like I get off a roller coaster, the sensation of motion sickness is severe and it lasts like all day. So they actually recommend that as you get older, you actively train your body to maintain balance. So in essence, our bodies are in a battle with gravity. Now, if forces come that begin to throw you off balance, our brain, our muscles, reevaluate and counter, try to counteract that, right? They, you can use your arms, you engage your core. But eventually, if you slide your weight too far, either way, your countermeasures aren't gonna work and you're gonna fall. Now, just like our bodies, are in an unseen and active battle with gravity, we are in an unseen and active battle with the flesh and the world. And just as our arms can be used to help us maintain balance, we also have countermeasures that we can use that help us stay balanced in this spiritual battle. This morning, we are discussing the light topic of self-denial and liberties. <laughs> Nothing is more synonymous to self-denial than motherhood. Right? We don't sleep when we want. We don't eat when we want. If you're like me, it was leftovers off my kids' plates. We don't even use the restroom when we want, and rarely alone. I remember little voices and knocks outside the door, little fingers under the door. <laughs> Self-denial comes with the job of being a mom. It's baked in. But the question for today is a matter of the heart. How's your heart with self-denial? I have asked myself that question many times over the years, but I remember one occasion vividly. Almost four years ago, in January of 2020, God dropped a little girl into our lives. I'm gonna cry and I'm not pregnant, dang it. <laughs> okay, most of our bundles come in small packages, right? My little bundle was a beautiful 70 pound eight-year-old. It started with a phone call. Jen, I have a little girl in need. Can you take her and pray about it being permanent? This wasn't something I had planned. 
I was content where God had me. I was older now. My three sons were all adults. I was launching my last out of high school and we were on the verge of empty nesters. So many questions ran through my head. Was I too old? Could I really start again? Did I want to? How would this affect my boys? Could they love her as a sister even though they didn't grow up with her? This was going to be hard. Was I even willing? Pride, fear, selfishness, it was all getting the better of me and I was losing my balance. So we deployed our countermeasures. My husband and I spent more time in the word. We sought counsel from wise friends and others who had walked a similar road. And we prayed like crazy. And in the end, the answer was the gospel. If Christ was willing to give everything to save me out of his abundant love, how could I say anything but yes, Lord, use me? Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Have this way of thinking in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a slave, by being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. This is the gospel. The God of the universe emptied himself, took the form of a slave for you and for me. Why? Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Because of his rich mercies and his great love, he died on the cross to pay a penalty for our sin, to save us from God's wrath. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. So glorify God in your bodies. It cost him everything. And now we belong to Christ. The God of all creation who spoke and it came to be, who was named, who has named every star, who tells the powerful waves you will go here and no farther, came, took on flesh, died a horrific death to pay a debt we could not pay to awaken our dead hearts and called us to himself to save us from the wrath of God. Thank you, Jesus. Is that you? Do you know the God of all creation as your savior? Is he your Lord? Without him, balance will be difficult. No, it'll be impossible. We need Jesus and we need the gospel, not only for salvation, but every day. This is where you will find balance. As we contemplate who God is, who Jesus is, and what he has done for us, and what he continues to do for us, compared to who we are and what we deserve, this is where we become balanced. Because this leads us to a complete dedication of ourselves to God a dying to self, and a devotion to Christ. Because we deserve nothing short of his full wrath. Yet as Christians, we have received unspeakable mercy, love, forgiveness, kindness, and grace. If this doesn't radically change our hearts, 
towards self-denial, we have missed something and we don't fully understand the gospel. Point number one, a clear understanding of the gospel results in a heart willing to die to self. Sorry. This radical change in us because of the gospel change our hearts towards self-denial. It is no longer, I have to do this, I can't do that. It becomes a desire and I want to because the gospel changes everything, right? It transformed us from death to life. We are a new creation. We have new heart, new desire, new way of thinking. We are motivated to obedience and good deeds. Dying to self wrapped in the gospel becomes a beautiful act of worship towards our Lord and Savior. Without the gospel, self-denial is nothing more than sheer willpower, superficial, and very temporary. Gospel-centered self-denial is from the heart. It is deep, it is long-lasting, and it is required of every believer. Remember, you are not your own. Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. In Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I exhort you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a sacrifice, living, holy, and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. The gospel doesn't just provide balance. It also gives us purpose in this life. This purpose is to glorify God in all we do and to fully enjoy a personal relationship with him. 1 Corinthians 10.31 Whether then you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Did you hear that? Do all to the glory of God? Impossible? Yes. In our flesh, but with Christ working in us and through us, it is made possible. This is a divine calling to say no to past fleshly desires and sins and put Christ first in our hearts. To follow his will for our lives, putting our full trust in God allows us to be free from the love of self and self-rule. As Milton Vincent writes in the Gospel Primer, the Gospel reveals to me the breathtaking glory and loveliness of God. And in so doing, doing it lures my heart away from love of self and leaves me enthralled with him instead. The more I behold God's glory in the gospel, the more lovely he appears to me. And the more lovely he appears to me, the more self fades in the background, like a former love interest who can no longer compete for my affections. And with that freedom, we experience true joy, knowing we are free from sin and secure in Christ, and we radiate that joy to others. This security and our newfound purpose propels us to pour ourselves out for others for the sake of Christ. As Pastor Chris always says, to put Christ on display to a watching world. So what does my life look like to others? What does your life look like to others? Are we radiating joy to our kids, our husbands, other moms? This is a powerful quote by Spurgeon. The Bible is not the light of the world. It is the light of the church. But the world does not read the Bible. The world reads Christians. You are the light of the world. So what does the world see in our lives? 
A heart of joy, someone who loves their God-given role? Do people see self-denial, a love of others above self? Every day, the Lord gives us an assignment, and we are called to faithfully fulfill that assignment. So what is your God-given assignment today as a wife, as a mom, and as a friend? And what self-denial will be required? Maybe to love and train a difficult child? To be continually interrupted and yet with patience, lovingly discipline that son or daughter? To be a cheerleader and an encourager to a tired and overworked husband who isn't very pleasant to be around? To say yes to intimacy, even when you are tired from your day? To choose to put down the phone and play with your kids? To delete apps that are sucking your time? To choose to go to bed early and give up me time so you can have time with the Lord in the morning? Maybe to submit to your husband and his strict budget for the betterment of your family's finances. Heart check. So how's your heart with your assignment? With dying to self? Are you off balance? You need to ask yourself these questions often, just like my illustration, You will have to evaluate and deploy countermeasures to balance your heart with the gospel regularly, daily. If your heart is struggling with dying to self, repent. Deploy your countermeasures. Get in the word. Remind yourself of what Christ has done. Pray. Seek advice from godly older women. Memorize scripture. Remember, this is a battle and you need to fight. God asks us to do difficult things. To love the unlovable to be uncomfortable, to surrender our plans and our goals, to die to self. But he also promises to walk with us through the difficulties of life, Deuteronomy 31.8 and Matthew 28.20. And because of that promise, we can find joy in our assignment. An encouragement for you. When was the last time you read your testimony? Or do you need to write it out for the first time? I encourage you to do it. Remember what God has done in your life and make a commitment to reread it regularly. Point two, the gospel cultivates a heart of gratitude, strengthening my devotion to God. We must remind ourselves often what God has done and his faithful deeds because we are a very forgetful people. Psalm 77 is an excellent example of putting this into action. We do not know the reason for the turmoil, but Asaph is in despair. His life is a mess. He can't sleep. Verse 4. You have held my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. His heart continues to despair and complain. He is losing his balance. Verse 9. Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? But then we start to see a shift. Verse 11. I shall remember the deeds of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. And here the psalm becomes a psalm of praise. Verse 14. You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your strength among the people. Guys, this is how you regain your balance by remembering who God is and what he has done. 
and giving thanks. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Here we are instructed to be thankful regardless of our circumstances, to remember that nothing happens that is outside God's loving care and plan for our lives. We are called to be joyful and thankful always. But what about when our assignment comes with disappointment, pain, grief, or sorrow? We have a God who can sympathize with us, Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, who draws near to the brokenhearted, Psalms 34, 18, who collects our tears in a bottle, Psalms 56, 8, who comforts us, 2 Corinthians 1, 4. J.I. Packer writes, in knowing God, our relationship with God and Jesus is more sweet, more vivid when the cross is heaviest. We are a forgetful people, and we need to actively cultivate thanksgiving in our hearts through reciting the gospel daily. Then we will continually be in awe of who God is and his immense love for us. God will loom large in our hearts, and the view of self will diminish. The gospel keeps us balanced and grateful. In Nancy Lee DeMoss's book, Choosing Gratitude, she asks this question. Are you a worshiper or a whiner? (laughs) Are you known for having a heart of thanksgiving and worshiping with gratitude? Or are you a complainer and prone to ingratitude? Ouch. So how does this play out in life? It's a matter of the heart. How's your irritation level when disciplining your son or daughter for the umpteenth time? Are you frustrated with nine loads of laundry or thankful that you have that many clothes? When we view our circumstances through the lens of the gospel, we come to realize we are not destined for the wrath we deserve. Now we can view any day task or responsibility we are given as a blessing. Are we a half empty people? We shouldn't be. Out of Christ's mercy and love, we not only have been saved from what we deserve, but richly blessed with every spiritual blessing, Ephesians 1.3. If we struggle in this area, we are focused on self, not the gospel. How can we expect to teach thankfulness to our children when we ourselves are not thankful. Remember the old saying, more is caught than taught. Judges 2.10 always stuck with me over the years as a stark warning. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers and there arose another generation after them who did not know Yahweh or even the work in which he had done for Israel. Guys, this is the first generation in the promised land. Their parents wandered the desert. How do they not know? No wonder their hearts wandered to other gods. This was not a legacy I wanted. I was determined that my children would know the mighty works of God and his faithfulness both in my life and our families. If we do not teach them what God has done, how will they know? Why would they be thankful? And why would they follow him? So many beautiful things grow in the soil of gratitude. Cultivate that in your children's heart as well as your own. 
Look for ways to express heartfelt gratitude towards the Lord and those whom he uses in your life. Look for creative ways to include your kids in those expressions of love to God and others. Gospel-centered people are thankful people. An encouragement for you. Write an encouraging note or text to your husband, thanking him for his hard work, his sacrifice for your family, and how much you appreciate it and how much you respect him. Guys, this is huge. Coming from someone who's been married for 34 years, do this. Coming, let your kids hear you verbally tell God thank you when he has answered a prayer or met a need. Let them see a heart of thankful praise. Send a heartfelt note to an elder at the church, thanking them for the care of the church and the sacrifices they must make to do it so well. Like I said, my husband and I have been married for 34 years. I don't have 34 years worth of memories in my head. I can remember bits and pieces over the years, but so much has slipped my memory. Sadly, the same is true of God's faithfulness in my life. What have I forgotten? I don't want to forget the time that my husband was out of the country. My three little boys were, and I were all sick, and I was exhausted. There was a knock on my door, and a sweet friend showed up at my door with a basket of toys and medicine for my kids. She had me lay down and rest, and she took over the care of my boys. She gave them a bath, and she put them to bed. This was the Lord's loving kindness to me. Thank you, Jesus. If I had started writing down one way God had been faithful to me every day since he saved me, I would have 12,700 entries. Wow, yes, I'm that old. Um, what would be your number? Heart check. Start a gratitude journal with me. Write down all the ways, big and small, God has been faithful. Don't worry about chronological order. Just write them down as they come to mind and keep it going for the future. This will be such an encouragement for you to read when your heart is slipping out of balance. And also to your family as you reread these together. Now this is a legacy worth passing down. So we have seen how the gospel results in a heart willing willingness to die to self, how it cultivates a heart of gratitude. Now, point three, the gospel requires viewing others as more important than myself. When we speak of liberties, we often think of freedoms, things not prohibited by scripture that we are free to enjoy. And this is true, but not entirely. When we were saved from our trespasses and sins, Christ rescued us from the bondage of sin. Therefore, we are no longer a slave to sin, but now a slave to Christ. Remember, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. We have a new master, and he asks that we follow his example. Philippians 2, 3 through 5. Do nothing from selfish ambition or vainglory, but with humility of mind, Regard one another as more important than yourselves, not merely looking out for your own interests, but also for the interest of others. Have this way of thinking in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. 
As we contemplate our freedoms, I want us to keep several things in mind at all times. Remember, our purpose is to glorify God, to love others more than ourselves, but also to preserve the unity within the body of Christ. Now we need to ask ourselves this question. Do we exercise our liberties or freedoms with this in mind? Liberties like alcohol, what movies we watch, what genre of music we listen to, what rating of video games we play, what we post on social media, and many, many more. We need to look to scripture for guidance with a humble and teachable heart. In Romans 14, Paul talks about the relationship between the weaker and stronger brother in the faith. He extols us to be considerate to each other, especially in regards to our freedoms. We are called not to judge each other in regards to our liberties, but also not to stumble one another in the faith. Again, I want to reiterate, we are not talking about sinful behavior. Now let's get into the nuts and bolts of this. Weaker in the faith can refer to many things, and this is not an exhaustive list. Chronological age, the believer's young. Spiritual maturity, they're a new believer. Scriptural knowledge, maybe they come from a weaker church and they're still only under the the word of God and it's milk, it's not meat. Or even a spiritually mature person who comes from a past where a certain freedom has been seriously abused and that has left a scar or a painful reminder. So the stronger believer is to keep this realization of the weaker brother in mind as they exercise their liberties. Uh, Sorry, lost my place. The responsibility of self-denial lands on the stronger brother. This requires that we pay attention to those around us. Do not presume because a freedom is available to you that it would be wise to partake of that in, in uh, public. Also, is it wise to flaunt that freedom enjoyed privately on social media? Ask yourself, why do, we need, why do I feel the need to post this? Will I stumble a friend with my liberty? Will this hinder someone's walk? Or even, could my freedom hinder someone coming to Christ? We need to exercise wise restraint with our freedoms. We need to be willing to deny ourselves for others, but ultimately for Christ. Remember, he is our example. He emptied himself. Mark 8.35, for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. Now to the weaker brother in the faith. Remember our purpose statement for this section to glorify God in all we do, love others more than we love ourselves, and to preserve unity with the body of Christ. We need to handle these situations with truth and grace. If a particular liberty is stumbling you, first ask, can this be covered by grace? And if it can, let it go. But if not, you must be willing to approach your fellow believer with love and humility and express your heart honestly. And we all need to prepare our hearts that we are willing to hear tough things, even how our freedoms might be stumbling another. Now, what about when a particular liberty starts to lead our hearts away from Christ 
and we start to lose our balance. Guys, there are freedoms that pull our thoughts, our emotions, and our actions away from a desire to glorify God. Do you know your weak spot? Are you willing to admit them to others? The danger here is we can continue in that liberty, something seemingly innocent, and no one is the wiser that this is an area that we struggle. And maybe we need accountability, someone to encourage us to make a wiser choice with our time. For me, I don't watch HGTV. <laughs> I love home improvement shows, but they tend to foster discontent in my heart, and I find my heart leaning towards ingratitude for the beautiful home that the Lord has provided me. What about you? How about Instagram? Does it foster maybe a heart of jealousy, discontent, envy? Certain music. Does it stir up old memories, draw your mind and emotions where they should not go? Certain movies. Maybe make you discontent with your current relationship. Danger romance movies, especially when your husband is not romantic. <laughs> Video games. Your guard falls after playing, and so does your choice of words. Paul Tripp says, a good thing can become a bad thing when it becomes a ruling thing. 1 Corinthians 10, 24. Let no one seek his own good, but that of the other person. Have you lost your balance? Repent. Deny yourself those freedoms and refocus on Christ and his work in the gospel. One last note on freedoms. Can we please be careful with our personal preferences? Be careful about elevating our preferences to a biblical principle in our own eyes and then imposing them on another. We have a tendency to be very passionate about our preferences, especially when it comes to raising children. Topics like breastfeeding, sleep training, feeding methods, schooling choices, and many, many more. If I could just encourage you all to love one another, this season is hard and we need each other. We need encouragement and sometimes creative ideas to navigate motherhood, especially for the first time. Let's keep preferences in their proper place. They are your personal convictions. We can look to scripture for guidance and absolutely learn from one another. But let's also be sensitive and respectful of their personal convictions, especially when they differ from ours. Just as the Lord is working in your heart, he is also working in theirs. And we need to be willing to tone down the passion and allow the Lord to work in their heart as he sees fit. Let's be thankful for what he is doing in us and others. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 Therefore, comfort one another and build up one another, just as you also are doing. Beware the danger. The slide to extremes can often be a subtle slide, frog in the pot kind of thing. It is critical that we stay gospel focused, but there are warning signs when we are getting off balance and we are sliding to extremes. Here's just a few. Loss of joy, the word is not a priority. Hanging on to bitterness, 
no desire for fellowship, discontent, overly critical, impatient, laziness, lack of motivation, anxious, easily offended. Are you angered when acts of self-denial are not praised? Trying to score points with God through self-denial. When we take our children's sin personally, judging others by our standard and not God's, being permissive, it's all about grace. Our staying balanced is contingent on the quality of our relationship with the Lord. Do you know him? Do you know his attributes? A proper view of God is essential. You cannot love the one you do not know. Study him. This blows me away. The creator of the universe invites you to know him. He has revealed himself through his word and he desires your company. Is your relationship with the Lord a priority? We need Christ and we need to be gospel saturated every day. Guys, our husbands and children have a front row seat to our sin. They are going to see us get off balance and even fall. They are going to see us lose it, see us angry, ugly cry, loss of patience, be snappy, rude. The question is, how do we handle it and how do we recover? Do they see us broken over our sin? No excuses, no justification for our behavior. We own it. Do they see us repentant, seeking forgiveness with a broken and humble heart from the Lord and those we've affected? Often them. This is why we need the gospel every day. This is how we show our kids they do too. When they see our need for the gospel in our lives, in time, they will see it in theirs. I would often say to my kids, this is why mommy needs the gospel. This is why mommy needs Jesus. Because I am a sinner and I need his help and I need his forgiveness. This season of life, motherhood, is hard and busy, but I have learned over the years that this is true of every season. The busyness just takes different forms. You are all surrounded by older women who have walked in your shoes. See them for what they are, a sweet kindness from the Lord. We may not have all the answers, but we know the one who does, our God. Learn from our mistakes, take heed of advice, and use the time you are given to remind yourself of who God is and what he has done. Nothing in life will satisfy but Christ. Nothing will refresh your soul but his word. Nothing will keep you balanced but the gospel. Proverbs 4.23 Guard your heart with all diligence, for from it, flow the springs of life. Let's pray.